What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I'm your host, JT. We got another exciting episode today for you guys. We're going to be discussing Josh Jacobs' potential holdout, the Buffalo Bills, why I believe they may be trending in the wrong direction. Going to be giving you guys another ranking, giving out my most underrated NFL teams going into this season. Is Alabama in trouble at quarterback? Who will be their starting quarterback this year? We're going to be discussing could quarterback play potentially hold back the Crimson Tide this year? And how good will Georgia's offense be in 2023? Before we get into it, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday, around 5 p.m. Eastern time. Listen to the JT Sports Podcast. We're not just available on YouTube. You can find us on all podcasting platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. All you got to do is type in the JT Sports Podcast on whichever podcasting service that you use, and it will pop up. Or you can go down to the description down below, scroll down a little bit, and there will be the links to the Apple and Spotify versions of the podcast. Rate us five stars. It's the best way to support the channel. Give some feedback. Maybe you have some constructive criticism, whatever. Just make sure that you go ahead and leave us with a five-star review if you support the channel. Let's get into it, man. So, according to some reports... Tom Pilicero reports that one situation that nobody's talking about is Josh Jacobs. At this point, if there's not a long-term deal, I don't anticipate Jacobs being there at the start of training camp, and I don't know if he shows up week one. Now, Josh Jacobs, who led the NFL in rushing yards last year with over 1,600, the heart and soul of the Las Vegas Raiders, is thinking about potentially holding out this season and his holdout could be pretty lengthy if the Raiders can't come to terms on a contract extension for him. And we don't know how long his holdout is going to last, but I don't think it's in his best interest from a business standpoint for him to hold out for pretty much the whole entire season. I don't really think that benefits him. First of all, I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to pay for Josh Jacobs in free agency if they don't see him play this year. Of course, he will be well-rested. You'll know that he's going to be fully healthy, but he could be a little bit rusty if he decides not to play for the whole entire season. And then, let's say he only wants to hold out for the first three, four weeks of the season, not showing up the training camp. Maybe he shows up a little bit rusty. It's just, I don't think it's in Josh Jacobs' best interest to not play for the Raiders this year. And I definitely don't think him holding out during the regular season at any point will vote well for him. I think probably if you're Josh Jacobs, even though you won't want to do it, you probably should play this season and then try to see what happens in the offseason. And then, of course, if the Raiders still don't want to extend you, you're going to have no choice but to hit the open market because you will be a free agent unless they put the franchise tag on you again, which I strongly doubt. But the reason why I think Josh Jacobs should play this year is because he has no leverage. And even if he holds out for a week or two, it's still not really going to help him in negotiations because the way the running back market is looking right now, Saquon can't get paid, he can't get paid. So I doubt him holding out is going to change anything. The running back position just is seen as easily replaceable. And the Raiders already have a capable replacement on their depth chart and Running back Zamir White, who's entering his second season with Las Vegas. They drafted him last year and last year's draft. And he was a really good running back when he was coming out of Georgia. Very powerful, really good athlete. So I don't think it would be smart for Josh Jacobs to hold out regardless how long he plans on doing so rather it's week one or the first half of the regular season I think that if Josh Jacobs is trying to get paid he kind of has no choice but to go ahead and play this year running backs aren't getting paid they're not being valued like how they used to be Josh Jacobs 
it's a little bit disappointing that the Las Vegas Raiders are not taking care of him. He's the heart and soul of the Las Vegas Raiders organization. And this is reason 100 million 38 why I don't like the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a crappy ownership. They don't do a really good job at drafting in the first round. The only thing the Raiders draft in the first round are busts and future criminals. And I find it really, really amazing that the Las Vegas Raiders are really not going to pay their best first round pick in over the last decade. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand why this organization even has fans like Raiders fans deserve so much better. And I've been saying this for the whole entire offseason. I don't know why you're a Raiders fan and why you even give yourself the headache of bothering to even show up to games, buy merchandise to support this team. When all this franchise does is make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. I think not paying Josh Jacobs would be another bad decision. And I really hate that has had to come to this. You think that the Raiders would take care of Josh Jacobs considering the fact that they turned down his fifth-year option, which made absolutely no sense then. And then he ends up balling out. He leads the NFL rushing yards. He was second in the NFL carries. He was averaging 4.9 yards per carry, which is pretty much five yards per attempt. And he had 12 touchdowns. The man earned the right to get a big contract. And the Raiders are still not budging. Now, we don't know if Josh Jacobs and the Raiders are having ongoing discussions about a new contract extension. But for what it looks like right now, it doesn't look like they are anywhere close to coming to terms on a new deal. And if Josh Jacobs holds out this season, I understand why. And many fans understand why he will hold out. But... He's kind of in a lose-lose situation. The running back market isn't really in a great place right now. It's kind of like the current state of the housing market. It's hard to find a good house to buy for a reasonable price. And it's hard for running backs to get paid what they want in their contract demand. So for Josh Jacobs, I really hate that he's in this situation. I hate the fact that the Las Vegas Raiders are not taking care of the heart and soul of their team. Devontae Adams is their best player on offense. But Josh Jacobs is the heartbeat of the Las Vegas Raiders. I love this guy's authenticity. I love the fact that he's no BS. He gives you direct answers anytime you ask him a question. He doesn't beat around the bush like most players do. Josh Jacobs is as real as it gets. And he's a great leader in that locker room. Not just that, but he's also fantastic off the field. So I don't get why the Las Vegas Raiders are not paying Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, since he's been drafted, has been one of the better running backs in the NFL. Top five, top ten, wherever you want to rank him. He's one of the best running backs that we have in the game right now. And the fact that the Las Vegas Raiders are not paying him is a huge disappointment and a slap in the face to Raiders fans because... Anytime you hear some Josh Jacobs news and you go down to the comments on Twitter, you got millions of Raiders fans saying, pay Josh Jacobs. I don't understand why the Raiders won't open up that checkbook and pay their most successful first round pick in the last decade what he deserves. Josh Jacobs potentially holding out. You definitely understand it if you're a Raiders fan, but it doesn't really benefit him in terms of getting a new deal and getting more money when it comes to his contract negotiations. And even if the Raiders were to trade him, I don't really think they would get anything for him in return. So he definitely isn't going to ask for a trade. For Josh Jacobs, he's just in a losing situation. I'm hoping that things work out for him. But right now, things are not looking pretty when it comes to Josh Jacobs threatening to potentially hold out of playing for the Las Vegas Raiders this upcoming season. The Buffalo Bills, I don't think things are looking good up there in Buffalo, man. This has been a Super Bowl favorite for the past couple of years. And going into this season, I think there's a good chance that we may start to see Buffalo trend in the wrong direction. They missed a good opportunity to win the Super Bowl. Over the last couple of years, the AFC East was down. You look at 
how good the Miami Dolphins are going into this season. The New York Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers. And the New England Patriots are a team that nobody should sleep on this year. The AFC East is as tough as it's ever been since Buffalo has become the team that they've became a couple of years ago, being front runners to win the AFC. And over the last two years, the Buffalo Bills have missed a great opportunity to take advantage of a weak division and the conference where they were the second best team right behind Kansas City. And Buffalo, with the fact that they've underperformed in the postseason, the rest of the division has started to catch up to them. You got other franchises in the AFC who have now found the answer at quarterback, such as the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the AFC is home to the majority of the NFL's best quarterbacks. And for the Buffalo Bills, you look at where they rank in a lot of people's eyes when it comes to their chances of being able to make it to the Super Bowl this year, not too many people are picking the Buffalo Bills to win the AFC. Many people think that the Miami Dolphins, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Baltimore Ravens have better odds at making it to the Super Bowl and making it out of the AFC and being able to dethrone Kansas City compared to Buffalo. And for the Buffalo Bills, a large reason why I'm starting to feel like they are trending in the wrong direction is because of this Stefan Diggs situation. Stefan Diggs, he didn't practice the first day of minicamp, and then they canceled the final minicamp practice. It's just a weird situation, and the last time we saw Stefan Diggs on the field, he was blowing up at Josh Allen on the sidelines, and their divisional round loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, and this is just a weird situation. He is one of the highest paid receivers in the game. Rumors are saying that he wants a bigger role in the offense, even though he's been one of the most targeted players in the NFL ever since he got traded to the Buffalo Bills. It's like Stephon Diggs is not a championship player. And I don't mean that from a talent standpoint. Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers in the game. But when it comes to his character, and his ego, this is not the kind of guy that you want on your team when you have goals and aspirations of trying to win a championship. To win a championship, it has to be one team, one goal. You have to leave your ego at the door and sacrifice for the betterment of the team. And Stefan Diggs, with this ongoing situation that he's having with the Buffalo Bills, it doesn't look like he's willing to put his ego aside. Yeah, he cares about winning, but it seems like he only cares about winning as long as he's the beneficiary of it. You were targeted 10 times in the loss of the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, RG3 came out recently on the Rich Eisen show because him and Stefan Diggs have the same agent, for those of you guys who don't know. So maybe RG3 knows some behind-the-scenes details that me and you don't. But apparently, Stefan Diggs felt like he should have been a little bit more involved during one of the last drives of the game, one of the more critical drives of the game. And here's my thing, like, even if that is the problem... Stephon Diggs was still targeted 10 times. Like, Josh Allen just can't force-feed him the football. And me being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I can relate to having this kind of player on your team and what it's like being a fan supporting a team that has one of these kinds of players that's mega-talented but is a huge ego in the locker room because... We had Antonio Brown, and you saw how off the chains Antonio Brown was with the whole Instagram, Facebook Live that he had, catching Mike Tomlin saying some things that kind of made people look at Mike Tomlin a little bit sideways, and then you had people looking at Antonio Brown really bad after that situation. You cannot win the championship when you have guys like Stephon Diggs on your team. Not only are they a problem in your locker room because their egos make them want to have a bigger impact than what they already have. But on top of that, they start to become a distraction. And for Josh Allen, all this is going to do is put him in a situation where he's going to want to coddle Stephon Diggs and want to try to appease Stephon Diggs and start to force feed him the football. Maybe that was the reason why we started to see Josh Allen have the turnover issues that he did last season. This is not good for the Buffalo Bills. And Sean McDermott even said that he was really concerned when the whole Stephon Diggs situation started to occur and he didn't show up and practice for the first day of minicamp. 
He was really concerned. And if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you should be really concerned about this situation also. And when you have this kind of prima donna or prima donna in the locker room, it doesn't help you win championships. Teams that win championships like Kansas City, you don't have egos. Players leave their egos outside and compromise for the betterment of the team. Everybody knows their roles and everybody is okay with their roles and everybody executes their roles at a high level. It's not about how many targets you feel you should get. It's about how many targets are going to help the team. How many times should you get target to put the team in a better situation to win the game or make it to the Super Bowl? The Buffalo Bills... They're not in a good space right now. Not just the Stefan Diggs tripping with his ego and the fact that he wants more say in the offense. Like, bro, you are a wide receiver. What say do you need in play calling? All you need to do is get open, create separation, catch the football, and score touchdowns. You're not the quarterback. You don't need say in play calling because the only thing you're going to do with that is abuse that power and try to get you more touches, which you already get a lot of. Not just do you have to deal with Stefan Diggs' ego, but ever since the departure of Brian Dable, Josh Allen has became a turnover machine. Josh Allen is super reckless with the football, especially when the Buffalo Bills have huge leads in games. They nearly lost the wild card round game to the Miami Dolphins when they had Skylar Thompson as their quarterback in that game. Once Buffalo got up, Josh Allen somewhat semi-destructed on himself. He was turning the football over and kept the Miami Dolphins in the ball game. You want to know why Joe Burrow has been able to make it so far in the postseason? Because he takes care of the football. He doesn't make mistakes too often. Quarterbacks that make it far and have the most success in the NFL aren't just talented, but they also take care of the football. Even Patrick Mahomes. Even though he plays a lot of backyard football and he can get a little bit careless at times, he doesn't have too many costly mistakes in the postseason. In the postseason, mistakes are magnified. You can't turn the football over at the rate that Josh Allen has. Josh Allen has over 31 turnovers and big games that the Buffalo Bills have played in. That's not good. That's not winning football. That's not championship football. The key to winning in football games is not just scoring a lot of points, but it's also making sure that you take care of the football. And then what about this defense? This defense, every time they go to the playoffs, they don't show up. I'm not going to hold their Cincinnati loss against them because the offense didn't do them no favors, but the last two times they matched up against Kansas City, that defense was awful. And you can blame it on Leslie Frazier all you want to, but Sean McDermott deserves a good amount of blame. And he deserves a good amount of blame for why the Buffalo Bills are in the state that they're in right now. I remember back in 2019 when everybody was sleeping on the Bills before this, before the Buffalo Bills became the media giant that everybody knows them as right now in the football world. Back then in 2019, nobody was talking about Buffalo. Buffalo was an under-the-radar team. I remember I made my video saying why the Buffalo Bills would be the biggest sleeper team going into the 2019 NFL season. And it's one of my most viewed videos to this day. They had no egos on that team. Nobody knew about them. They didn't have all the media attention. They didn't have all the hype surrounding them. And then they get Stephon Diggs and they start having this success and people start viewing them as perennial Super Bowl favorites to make it out of the AFC. And ever since, they have not been able to live up to those expectations. And you got to wonder if the Buffalo Bills are ever going to have another opportunity like the ones they've had the last couple of years to make it out of the AFC again. This is the toughest that this division has been in years. All four of these teams could have a good chance of making it to the postseason this year. And the Buffalo Bills, we don't even know if they're the best team in this division anymore. Miami has a really good roster. The New York Jets have a really good roster. And New England is a way better team this year than what they were when the Buffalo Bills slaughtered them in the wild card round of the playoffs, Mac Jones' rookie season. The Bills are not headed in the right direction. 
when you have the kind of locker room distractions like what Stefan Diggs has become, that holds you back. That holds the team back. Everybody has to be on the same page. Championship teams don't have too many egos. At least egos that say, hey, I need more I need more touches. I need more balls thrown my way. They have players that come in willing to sacrifice, willing to do whatever it takes, willing to compromise for the betterment of the team. And you got to look at yourself if you're the Buffalo Bills front office and maybe have to look at Stephon Diggs and sit him aside and say, hey, Stephon, do you want to be a member of the Buffalo Bills or not? Because we can trade you to somebody else if you want to get more touches and you want to get force feet the football because there are plenty of other teams that will be more than happy to have Stephon Diggs. Having a player with Stefan Diggs' ego does not equate to winning championships. Championship football teams don't have egotistical players on their team, or at least if they do, they're willing to compromise and set their egos aside so they can win championships because they're doing what's in the best interest of the team. And what Stefan Diggs is doing right now is not in the best interest of the Buffalo Bills, but in the best interest of Stefan Diggs. Sean McDermott doesn't even know what the hell is going on right now. The Buffalo Bills went from the media darling Cinderella team that everybody loved, that everybody was rooting for now, to a team that's starting to get passed over and overlooked for other teams in the division like the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. The New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins may have some big egos on their squad, such as Tyreek Hill with the Dolphins and Aaron Rodgers with the New York Jets, but they don't have nobody that's selfish and has an ego that's detrimental to the success of the team. Having a wide receiver like Stephon Diggs that wants the football every play does not help out a guy like Josh Allen who's going to be more than willing to force feed him the football to appease him. Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills organization need to get ahead of this Stephon Diggs fiasco before it gets into the regular season and it becomes a melting pot and it causes the Buffalo Bills to implode. These are the kind of players that you don't have on the championship caliber football team. Championship caliber football teams all have players that are willing to compromise and do what it takes to win. And Stephon Diggs, you got to ask him, is he that kind of player? We know how good he is, but is he the kind of player that's willing to do whatever it takes to win and not do whatever it takes to keep him happy? Before we move on, if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Leave a like on the video. We go live every day around 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. Listen to the audio version of the JT Sports Podcast. You can find us on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. I want to talk about my most underrated NFL teams entering the 2023 season. Now, we've already did... Top 10 offenses, teams that are most likely to disappoint this year. If you haven't seen those already, make sure that you go ahead and check those out. But what teams are being overlooked going into this season? I believe the biggest one has to be the Washington Commanders. Now, you may be looking at me like I'm crazy and I'm drugged up, but I'm not. I'm trying to tell you people, man, the Washington Commanders are being heavily overlooked. They got Airbnb as their offensive coordinator. He's been on Kansas City staff for the last couple of years. He's been a really big part of why they've been able to have the success that they've had over the last couple of years. And there are a lot of people in the national media who go to war for Eric Bieniemy, arguing that he deserves to be a head coach. And this is Eric Bieniemy's chance to prove that he's not only a great offensive coordinator, but also head coach material. Back when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs, nobody knew to the extent how much he was to Kansas City's success. Now with the Washington Commanders, there's going to be no questions asked if the Washington Commanders have success on offense. We already know it's going to be mainly due to Eric Bieniemy, And if he's able to get Sam Howell playing at a high level, that's not only going to make him look good, but it's also going to help him get even more coaching 
opportunities when it comes to getting that head coaching gig because teams are going to look at him and be like okay so Andy Reid wasn't just a part of helping Patrick Mahomes develop but also you were too because look what you did with Sam Howell so if the Washington Commanders can at least have a average to slightly above average offense this year this is going to be a playoff team the NLC it's not all that great outside of the Eagles and the 49ers and the Detroit Lions. There's not a lot of teams in this conference that you can look at and be like, oh, yeah, they're a lock for the postseason. Now, when you look at this division, you got the Eagles, you got the Cowboys in there. Both those two teams are expected to be amongst the best teams in the NFC this year. But you look at the Washington Commanders, I think this team is good enough to at least win 10 or more games. They got a really talented offense. When you look at what they have a receiver, Terry McLaurin is one of the more underrated receivers in the game. You got Curtis Samuel, who's really solid when he's healthy. Jahan Dotson was arguably the best rookie wide receiver in the league last year before he went down with that injury. And you got a really good duo of running backs and Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. And I believe that this offensive line should improve this year. Your only concern is Sam Howell, but if Arab Enemy is as good as an offensive mind as many people give him credit for, there's no reason why this offense shouldn't be better than what it was previously under former OC Scott Turner. The Washington Commanders, under Ron Rivera, since he's become their head coach, they have had the top 10 defense every single year. They have one of the most talented defensive lines in the NFL, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, you also have Chase Young, Jonathan Allen. This is one of the most talented defensive lines in the NFL, and they have a really good ability to get pressure on the quarterback. So you know that this defense is going to be top tier. All you need is for this offense to be solid, and it should be good enough for you to get into the postseason. I don't think the Giants are going to be all that good this year. They have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. You look at Washington, I think their schedule is pretty manageable. So all you really need is for your offense to be solid. And if your offense ends up performing better than that, you're going to be not only just a lock for the playoffs, but you could win a playoff game maybe. Washington Commanders are my most underrated team going into this season. The Carolina Panthers are the next team that I have on this list. Many people think they're going to finish third or second in this division behind the New Orleans Saints or the Atlanta Falcons. I don't think the Saints are going to be that good this year. I think the Saints are going to be more likely to disappoint than they will be to succeed because I don't believe in Dennis Allen. I don't think Dennis Allen is a good coach and most second chance coaches don't work out in the NFL. And at this point of Dennis Allen's coaching career, he is what he is. I know he brought in Derek Carr, signed him to a big deal and the New Orleans Saints have a really talented roster, but talent doesn't matter if you don't have good head coaching. Good head coaching is going to be able to elevate your team. And if you have a good team, it's going to put you in a situation where you're not only going to be able to win your division, but also be able to win in the postseason. But Dennis Allen isn't a good head coach. And you can make all the excuses that you want to about him having to deal with injuries and whatever. But Frank Wright is a proven head coach. He led Indianapolis to the playoffs with Phillip Rivers. He's really good when it comes to getting the most efficient quarterback play. Carson Wentz's final season and Andy under Frank Wright had the most efficient season of his career, 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And you saw what happened when he went to Washington. He pretty much fell apart. Look at how good Jacoby Brissett was playing under Frank Wright. Hell, Phillip Rivers' final season in the NFL under Frank Wright had one of the best seasons of his career. He was really efficient that year despite being up there in age. So with Bryce Young, I think that him going to Carolina was the best landing spot for him because he's going to a team that has an offensive-minded coach. And Carolina has a better roster than what a lot of people are giving them credit for. Their offensive line was either 11th or 12th in sacks per game allowed. They were really good when it came to run blocking. And they're going to have a fantastic defense with defensive coordinator Ijaro Evero, who was the defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos last year. And remember that the Broncos defense was the only thing that was giving them chances to win games when they weren't getting blown out. 
the Carolina Panthers have a really good team, and I'm going to be really surprised if they don't win this division. Frank Wright, without a doubt, is the best head coach in this division, and it's not even close. You remember what Doug Peterson did with the Jacksonville Jaguars last season? Even though Doug Peterson has had way more success than Frank Wright, Frank Wright has been pretty successful during his time as the head coach for Indianapolis. He has a winning record, and he has a good track record of being able to get the most out of quarterbacks. And I think that Bryce Young is going to have a really good rookie season, and I think the receivers that they have around him, Adam Thielen, Terrence Marshall, they may not wow anybody on paper, but I think those guys are going to be good enough to get the job done and help Carolina win a pretty weak division. The Chicago Bears, believe it or not, are being heavily underrated this year. A lot of record predictions that I've been watching don't really have Chicago being all that great. And there's a good amount of people who, they believe in Justin Fields, but they don't think he's going to have the kind of season that people like me believe that he will. Now, I believe that Justin Fields is going to have his coming out party this year. He is going to end up being in the MVP discussion. Hell, I would consider Justin Fields to be a dark horse MVP candidate going into this year. They improved the offensive line. They signed Darnell Wright. They also traded for DJ Moore. So they're giving Justin Fields a true number one wide receiver. You're going to have Darnell Mooney coming back. You got a good group of running backs. And Luke Getze, I think, is a pretty good offensive coordinator. And this defense should be way better this season than what it was last year. You got a pretty good young secondary. Hopefully your pass rush should improve this year. And you paid Tremaine Edmonds a lot of money in free agency. The Chicago Bears, they're in a division right now that's up for grabs. A lot of people's looking at the Detroit Lions and they're the favorites to win this division. But outside of them, the Minnesota Vikings, they could end up having a down year. The Green Bay Packers, you don't really know how good Jordan Love is going to be. If Jordan Love ends up being good, then the Green Bay Packers should be in a playoff discussion. But he also could end up being bad because you don't really know what you're going to get out of Jordan Love. It's kind of like just throwing the football up from middle from the middle portion of the field and throwing the Hail Mary you don't know if Green Bay is going to be able to come down for hit on Jordan Love or if they're going to end up getting the ball knocked down and needing to find a replacement quarterback if Jordan Love doesn't work out I'm really high on the Chicago Bears this season if you didn't watch the Chicago Bears last year you need to go back and watch a couple of highlights because the majority of games that were close, it was mainly due to the play of Justin Fields. Justin Fields was literally carrying this offense on his back. And I'm not saying that metaphorically, people. I mean that literally. If you go back and you watch Justin Fields, the first time he played the Detroit Lions, he was a man on a mission. It was like letting the hound out of the cage. He could not be stopped. As a matter of fact, the second time the Detroit Lions played the Chicago Bears, Dan Campbell made sure that Justin Fields didn't have the kind of performance that he did last year. And then you look at the Minnesota Vikings, they could have a little bit of a down season. When you look at how they were considered the most luckiest team in NFL history last year, a lot of their games coming down to one possessions, having a lot of spectacular comebacks. But this year, I think there is a chance that they end up regressing. So for the Chicago Bears, they have a prime opportunity to be able to make it to the playoffs as long as Justin Fields plays well, and I believe that he will, and I can't see the Chicago Bears not making it to the postseason if Justin Fields has a good year. They should at least be able to win nine games and be able to at least compete for the last two spots in the NFC playoffs. The Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are a team that's being incredibly overlooked and really disrespected. Most people don't have the Texans winning more than five games. You look at the talent that D'Amico Ryans is inheriting on defense. They are going to be way better than what a lot of you people think. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to make it to the postseason. I'm not saying that they're going to win the AFC South. But I am saying that this is going to be a team that when you play them, they're not going to be an easy W like they were last year. This is going to be a team that's going to fight like hell. And they're going to have a lot of games that are going to come down to one possession. And I believe that the Texans are going to at least win seven games. And they're going to become the second best team in the AFC South. This defense 
Texans has a lot of young studs on it. You got Jalen Petrie, who was arguably the best rookie safety last year. It's either him or Jaquan Brisker. He led the Houston ta- the Houston Texans in tackles and interceptions. You got Derek Steenley, who should have a really good season with D'Amico Ryans taking over the helm as the head coach. You traded up for Will Anderson. You're going to have an improved run defense. You signed a couple of key veterans in free agency. Jimmy Ward follows D'Amico Ryans from the 49ers to Houston. You also signed former Pro Bowl linebacker Denzel Perryman. So this team has a good amount of youth and a good amount of veteran leadership on the defense. And offensively, I'm a big fan of C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, the receivers that he are going to be throwing to are going to be pretty young. But I don't think it's going to be to the point that they don't have any talent. It's just that they're going to be unproven. It's going to take a while for people to find out who's going to be the primary receivers in this offense. They did sign Robert Woods, but you don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy. But if he can stay healthy, I think he'll be a good mentor to the young receivers on that roster. You already know I'm really high on Tank Dell. Florida boy, got to support him. I do like Xavier Hutchison, and there's a couple of other good young receivers on this team that I don't think are bad. They're just unproven. There's talent at wide receiver for the Houston Texans. It's just a lot of unproven talent. And then you got my guy, Damian Pierce, at running back. I love me some Damian Pierce. Had him on my fantasy football team last year. Most definitely finna pick that man up again because he's a beast. And the Houston Texans offensive line is way better than what you think. Their two offensive tackles last year, Larmy Tunsil and their right tackle, only gave up a combined total of four or five sacks. Titus Howard, I think he gave up like three or four sacks. And Larmy Tunsil, I think he only gave up one. And then they improved their interior of their offensive line as well. They bring in offensive guard Shaq Mason. I think the Houston Texans are being incredibly overlooked this year. And just because I have them on this list doesn't mean I have them as a playoff team. But I definitely think this is a team that's going to be able to over-exceed expectations. And if you're a Jaguars fan, don't go into this season being super confident thinking that the AFC South is just completely unlocked. Because the Houston Texans are more than capable of being able to surprise them people and being able to compete for this division if everything clicks early and C.J. Stroud comes out playing like a vet. The last team are the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, right? Last year... Everybody was picking them to win the AFC. A lot of people thought that they were going to dethrone Kansas City from the ranks of the AFC West um, Kings or whatever. And then everything just completely fell apart. They had a lot of injuries. The offensive line wasn't good. They whiffed on hiring Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach. And Russell Wilson wasn't playing like Russell Wilson. He was playing like Russell. They trade for Sean Payton. And like I've been telling you guys all offseason, signing Russell Wilson to that massive contract was an all-time big mistake. And it was going to take an all-time great head coach to fix that mistake. And Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds in the history of the NFL. Sean Payton, his final season in the NOLA, he went 9-8 with four different quarterbacks. Jameis Winston had them at 5-1 on top of the division and had the best touchdown to interception ratio in the NFL. 14 touchdowns, only two interceptions. And then he goes down, he's out for the season, in comes Taysom Hill, Ian Book, and Trevor Simeon. And some way, somehow... Sean Payton, despite all odds, still had the New Orleans Saints in the playoff conversation, in the playoff hunt, all the way to the final week of the regular season. And he did that with the worst receiving core in the NFL. Do you know who Sean Payton's best receiver was his final season in New Orleans? It was Marquez Callaway. So for the Denver Broncos, I think they are in pretty good hands with Sean Payton. I don't know if they would be a playoff team. I do think they should be able to vie for the last spot in the AFC. I think it's going to come down to them, Pittsburgh, and the Chargers. But the Denver Broncos are being incredibly overlooked. Russell Wilson can be fixed. When the Denver Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson was playing some damn good football. 
his final game against the LA Chargers last year, I saw some vintage Russell Wilson plays when he was getting outside the pocket and making a lot of big plays. I think the Denver Broncos can end up surprising a lot of people. I don't think they're going to be able to challenge Kansas City for the AFC West, but I do think they should be able to compete for one of those last playoff spots in the AFC. This is a team that has talent. They improved the offensive line. This defense should still be pretty good. They got Vince Joseph as their defensive coordinator, who's pretty respected. The Denver Broncos are a little bit overlooked. I don't think a lot of people are overlooking them. A lot of people are saying, well, JT, if Russ plays good, they can be there. Well, I'm telling you guys right now that I'm stamping it. Right now, June 28th, that Russell Wilson is going to bounce back this season and that the Denver Broncos will be competing for a spot in the wild card round this year. Now, if Russell Wilson doesn't play well and things fall off the rails, then you have Jared Stidham as your backup option. But these are my most underrated NFL teams going into the 2023 NFL season. Let me know what you guys think about my list down in the comment section down below. Alabama doubters are doing a lot of chirping and a lot of noise. I've been hearing about Alabama all has been about their quarterback situation. JT, man, Alabama is going to fall off this year. They ain't going to win 10 games because they don't got Bryce Young. You know Bryce Young carried Alabama last year. Blah, 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 blah. I do not care. I'm trying to tell you guys, you keep on sleeping on Nick Saban all you want to and watch him surprise you once again and make you look dumb when the season rolls around. I know that things are kind of looking a little bit concerning when it comes to Alabama's quarterback room. But you got to remember, Alabama went to the college football playoffs with Blake Sims as their QB. And not too many people were all that high on Blake Sims neither. And you look at who they have in their quarterback room right now, you got Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and Notre Dame transfer Tyler Buckner. I don't think the problem with Alabama's quarterback room is them having a lack of talent. I think the problem is you don't know who the hell should be your starter week one. Now, you look at how Jalen Milrow played in the spring game. I thought that he was the best quarterback in the spring for the Crimson Tide. Now, last year, he appeared in a couple of games. I think he looked pretty sharp against Texas A&M, although they barely won that game. He had one interception. He had three touchdowns. And this dude is a fantastic athlete. And out of all the quarterbacks currently on Alabama's roster, Jalen Milrow has the highest upside. His upside is Lamar Jackson. And I know that's a lofty comparison to make, but... Did you watch the spring game when he had that one touchdown run on that zone read? This dude is one of the most athletically gifted QBs in all of college football. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go as far to say he's the most athletic quarterback in college football right now. If he can take some steps in improvement as a passer, he's going to be in the Heisman conversation. And against Arkansas, he was rocky in that game. But he still was able to take over that game because of his athleticism. He has a strong arm. He's a elite athlete. You only have questions about his accuracy. But outside of that, I think that Jalen Milrow is probably the best quarterback that Alabama has on the roster right now. Now, Ty Simpson, we haven't really seen him in live action in a real game situation like how Jalen Milrow was last year when he was thrown out there and replaced with Bryce Young when he went down. But in the spring game, he made a couple of decent plays, but I still don't feel like he was better than Jalen Milrow. He does have a pretty good arm. He has pretty good mobility. He's able to get outside the pocket, improvise, extend plays. He's also a better athlete than what you may think. He made one guy break his ankles damn near in the spring game during that two-minute drill. He was rolling out. He did a little, uh-uh, a little hezzy, then a little juke, and I was like, ooh, okay, Ty Simpson. I see you. I see you, Ty Simpson. And Ty Simpson was a five-star recruit coming out of his recruiting class. He was one of the best quarterbacks in that recruiting cycle that he came in. So the talent is there at quarterback for Alabama. Now, of course, 
Todd Simpson has some things that he needs to work on. I do think he has great deep ball accuracy, but I think that he needs to improve his pocket presence. I think that Jalen Milrow is a little bit better in the pocket compared to Ty Simpson. When Ty Simpson senses just a little bit of pressure, instead of stepping up, he just tends to roll out. And I think for Alabama, I think the better option between the two, Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow, is Jalen Milrow. I think Jalen Milrow gives Alabama the best chance to win. Now, of course, I got to touch on Tyler Buckner, but I'm just keeping it stacked. I don't think Tyler Buckner is that good. Now, I get why Alabama took him in as a transfer. Tommy Reese, who is the OC for Notre Dame, is there now. And Tyler Buckner has a pretty good amount of familiarity with Tommy Reese's system, his philosophy, and what he wants to do. But I don't think Tyler Buckner is a good QB at least a power five starting caliber QB at that. So you look at Jalen Milrow, I think that Jalen Milrow, if he ends up becoming the starting quarterback for Alabama, I think they're going to be in pretty good hands. He may not be the most polished passer, and he may not be able to lead you to a national championship, but I at least feel like you can win the SEC West with Jalen Milrow as QB, even if he isn't lighting the world on fire as a passer. I don't think he's god-awful as a thrower. And with his athleticism, that gives you a clutch that you can lean on. And if the passing game isn't working, you can rely on the run game. Same thing that you did with Blake Sims years ago, you can do with Jalen Milrow. And Jalen Milrow is a better athlete than what Blake Sims was. And this dude has a way better arm than what Blake Sims does. And you have a pretty good offensive line. J.C. Latham is expected to be a high draft pick in next year's draft. This should be one of the better offensive lines that Alabama has had in the last couple of years. The offensive line play has been pretty down. So for Jalen Milrow, if he gets to start at QB, I think they could be really good this year. And once again, make it back to the college football playoffs. But if they go with Ty Simpson, I don't think they could go wrong with that neither. And you got to remember, even if one of these guys ends up getting the start, there's not a guarantee that Whoever gets named the starting quarterback week one is going to be the guy who finishes out the season as the starter. Do you remember that game against USC when I think it was his name was Blake Barnett started and then he ended up getting benched in favor of Jalen Hurts. And ever since then, for the remainder of the season, it was the Jalen Hurts show. I think you could kind of see a similar situation play out if one of these guys doesn't work out. And you're going to see it really early in that Texas game. They're going to be playing Texas at home. That's going to be your first indicator of whoever ends up being the quarterback for Alabama who's going to remain the starter for the rem- for the remainder of the season. I'm not concerned about Alabama's quarterback issues right now they're not the only school in college football that's having question marks with who their starting QB is going to be Ohio State is having a quarterback battle and plenty other teams are having quarterback battles Auburn doesn't know who their quarterback is going to be this year Florida they're leaning towards Graham Mertz but they still having some questions at who's going to be their quarterback this year so there's a bunch of other schools who are having concerns at QB And for Alabama, you got Nick Saban. I trust Nick Saban's judgment. You can call it bias all you want to. Nick Saban has a proven track record. This guy knows what he's doing. And I don't think the problem with Alabama is that they lack talent at QB. The problem with Alabama is just that they're trying to find out which quarterback is going to get hot at the right time. And I believe that Jalen Milrow is going to be the guy who ends up winning out this quarterback battle and ends up being the starting QB for Alabama going into week one. Alabama's team is so good this year that I don't think they need heroic efforts or Bryce Young efforts like what they needed last year. There's a reason why Alabama and Nick Saban made so many changes on the coaching staff. Tommy Reese is a pretty good offensive coordinator. He's not one of the best offensive coordinators in the game, but he is pretty well respected. So you look at Tommy Reese and the job that He's going to be tasked with being able to get these quarterbacks ready for the opening game of the regular season. I trust Tommy Reese and I trust Nick Saban. I don't think that Alabama is lacking at quarterback this year. These quarterbacks are more than capable. Hell, maybe Tyler Buckner, if he gets a start, maybe he ends up surprising us. 
He wasn't able to play in the spring game, so he's going to have to get caught up to snow pretty fast. But if he does, then I think that shows you how good he is if he ends up being named the starter. Or maybe it shows you that Alabama was desperate. But I don't think them getting Tyler Buckner was a sign of desperation. I think it was just a sign of insurance because maybe they're still trying to watch things play out. But nobody transferred out yet. So if nobody transferred out, I think that tells you how the rest of these quarterbacks feel about this QB battle. They still feel like they have a chance to win. And I feel like Jalen Milrow is probably going to end up winning out this job. But I'm not concerned about Alabama's quarterback room. And for those of you guys who are doubting Alabama because you don't know how good the quarterback position is going to be, they have won with a little bit worse. I'm not saying that Blake Sims was terrible, but... Compared to some of the other QBs that Alabama has had coming to that program before him and after him, there's been much better. And I think that Alabama can build the offense around Jalen Monroe. Jalen Monroe, with his skill set and his athleticism, he has the highest ceiling and the highest potential out of all the quarterbacks in Alabama's locker room right now. And if he isn't that polished as a passer, you can win with his athleticism. I've seen... A lot of people in my comment section continuing to disrespect Georgia. And for the life of me, I don't get why people continue to doubt Georgia. Like, how many years is Georgia going to have to prove you guys wrong? So, I've seen somebody in the comment section say, Man, JT, Georgia's offense isn't going to be good this year. Georgia's offense is going to fall off. Stetson Bennett's gone. Todd Monk is gone. Carson Beck is unproven. Like, here y'all go, man, with the unproven crap, man. Georgia is a football factory. It doesn't matter if a dude didn't play. You want to know why? Because they just reload. They got five and four-star players all on that roster, fam. Carson Beck is a dude. I've seen Carson Beck play with my own eyes. You want to know why? Because he's from the city. He's from Jacksonville. He went to Mandarin High School. Carson Beck was a real dog before he went to Mandarin and he was balling out at Providence. Mandarin was not that good. Carson Beck comes in, takes them to the state championship, and all those other wide receivers that played that year with Carson Beck all got D1 offers. Look it up. Carson Beck has been sitting behind Stetson Bennett for the last couple of years learning. And from what I saw in that spring game, Carson Beck is going to be more than ready for the schedule that Georgia's going to have this year. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Georgia, but we just got to be honest. Georgia doesn't have a tough schedule. They don't have a tough out-of-conference schedule, and their in-conference schedule, the best team they play is Tennessee, and that's one of their last few games of the regular season this year. So Carson Beck and this offense, they shouldn't miss a beat. And you look at who's going to be replacing Todd Munkin, Mike Bobo. Now, Georgia fans are still a little bit split on Mike Bobo, but a lot of Georgia fans have a lot of confidence in him. When he was Georgia's offensive coordinator from 07 to 2014, the Bulldogs had some of their best offenses in program history under him. He got guys like Matthew Stafford and Aaron Murray to the league. And then you look at the talent that he's going to be working with this year. This is one of the most talented offenses that Georgia has had in a very long time. They have one of the best offensive lines in college football. They have three offensive linemen who are going to be playing on Sundays next year. And two of those guys are most likely going to be first and second round picks. And then you look at the talent that they have at wide receiver. I've seen a, a lot of other people saying, man, JT, like they don't really have great receivers, bro. Have you been paying attention to Georgia or do you just hate on Georgia just because you're a fan of a rival school? Like, pay attention. Do you not see who Georgia got from the transfer portal? They got one of Missouri's best receivers. And Dominic Lovett, who led Missouri in receptions and yards last year. This dude was one of the SEC's best receiver playing for Missouri. Missouri, the M in Missouri doesn't stand for Missouri. It stands for mid. He was playing for Eli Drinkowitz. They had no QB last year. Their QB was absolute garbage. And he was still finding ways to ball out. So imagine what he's going to do playing with Carson Beck. Then you got Mississippi State transfer. Ra-Ra Thomas. Ra-Ra Thomas. I like that name. Y'all better hope Ra-Ra Thomas ain't raw. I'm going to be like, man, there goes that man, mama. Ra-Ra Thomas, he's super raw. 
And for those of you guys who don't know what raw means, raw is slang in Florida for you're really good. And then you got Lab McConkey returning. And then you got that man, Brock Bowers, arguably the greatest tight end in college football history. I mean, come on. Why, why do you guys make me come on here and get me this riled up talking about Georgia? Why? Why do y'all continue to doubt Georgia? I, for the life of me, do not understand this. Y'all continue to doubt this team, and they prove to you time in and time out that they're going to be able to get the job done. You want to know why? Because they don't rebuild. They reload. This offense is going to be perfectly fine. They're stacked at running back. They got some damn monsters at running back. Kendall Milton is 6'1", 220 pounds. He was averaging nearly seven yards per carry last year, bruh. Behind this offensive line, he's going to be one of the best running backs in the SEC this year. Georgia's offense is going to be perfectly fine in 2023. If you are downing Georgia, you're a hater, bro. You got to put some of the hater rate down. Get that hater rate out your system. Take that hater rate, throw it in the trash can, get you some water, and stop hating, man. That hating is not good for your lungs. That hater rate, it clogs up your throat and it hurts your lungs, man. Why do people hate on Georgia for no reason? You telling me that Georgia's offense is going to regress? Stop it. Everybody was saying that Stetson Bennett was not going to be able to lead Georgia to back-to-back championships because everybody was saying, oh, he's not that talented. Eventually, he's going to catch up to him. And every single year, Stetson Bennett continued to prove people wrong. Hell, I remember when people were saying that JT Daniels was a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett after he led them to the national championship. There were people literally saying, you know, Georgia may be one of the first teams in the history of college football to win a championship with the quarterback that wasn't the best quarterback on the roster and now Georgia has a quarterback that's more talented than Stetson Bennett and people are doubting Georgia come on man I mean some of y'all just being a little bit unrealistic or you're just hating on Georgia just because you want Georgia to fail but if you truthfully believe that Georgia's offense is going to struggle how much are y'all willing to put money on it you see you can always tell how how much Somebody is actually confident in something when you ask them to put some money on it. Because when you ask them to put some money on it, then they start to go quiet. How many of y'all are willing to put some money that Georgia's offense is going to regress? Because I doubt that it is. They have one of the best receiving cores that they've had in recent memory. One of the best offensive lines in college football. And they got Carson Beck, who's going to break out this season. He's easily going to become the best quarterback in this conference. Because who else is a proven QB in this conference outside of Devin Leary, freaking, um, who else is in the SEC West? Jalen Daniels. I mean, come on, man. Stop doubting Georgia. Put some respect on Georgia. This is a football factory. They've been chugging along perfectly fine for the last couple of years under Kirby Smart. They went from Jake Fromm to Stetson Bennett, Sir Stetson Bennett. My guy, college football, Sam says I was wrong about Stetson Bennett for two years in a row, man. Like, people continue to doubt Georgia, and I just don't understand it, man. Like, a lot of a lot of the hate and a lot of the doubt is coming from you Tennessee fans. Like, listen, I love you, Tennessee. I love you, Tennessee fans. I love you, Vol Nation, but y'all got to quit. Y'all got to stop trying to force this narrative that Georgia's going to fall off and they're going to regress just because you want them to fall off. Like, Georgia is not going anywhere. They're going to continue to dominate this year. Y'all got to quit it, man. Y'all get me real riled up when y'all start trying to question greatness. Stop trying to question greatness. Just admit that it's Georgia's time right now, man. Carson Beck is probably going to end up playing himself into the first-round conversation with how good he's going to be this year. Oh, JT, you don't know how the season's going to play out. Nobody knows how the season's going to play out. That's why you watch these videos to see projections, to see predictions. But I'm pretty confident if I had to bet all my life earnings on Georgia's offense being good this year, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a really good offense. This is one of the most talented offenses in all of college football. Stacked on the offensive line, stacked the receiver. Carson Beck is going to be a great QB for Georgia. The best QB they've had since Aaron Murray. That's how good I think he's going to be from a talent standpoint. That's how good I think Carson Beck is. He has a really great arm. He isn't the greatest athlete, 
but he can pick up some yards with his legs. But even though he doesn't have a lot of mobility or athleticism, he's not the easiest quarterback to bring down. Like Carson Beck is pretty big and pretty strong. So I think Carson Beck is going to be pretty good for what Georgia wants to do on offense this year under their new, well, former OC, Mike Bobo. But I think Georgia's offense is going to continue to dominate with Carson Beck at the helm at QB. And unless they have something catastrophic happen, I think Georgia is not going anywhere no time soon for the foreseeable future. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure that you like the video, subscribe to the channel for more NFL videos and college football content. And I will see you guys tomorrow with another episode.